This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning. This is Dana Oliva with Marketatomy and welcome to all of my Charged Up Studio listeners. We have Brandon Falcon with Falconics with us again today and we are starting part two of our social media footprint series that we are doing. Hi Brandon. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Today's podcast is going to focus on Facebook. As I said with our last podcast, we're going to get into over the next three or four podcasts, we're going to talk a little bit about how you can utilize um, your digital marketing strategy to begin to attract those those, those prospects and converting them and turning them into advocates virtually since we're not able to get out and, and meet everybody one-on-one anymore. So we're trying to make it a little bit easier and give you some tips on how we can do this. And Brandon is an expert at this. Um, he's working with me and I look forward to, you know, continuing and seeing how things work with us. But Absolutely. today we're going to focus on Facebook. So with that being said, um, let's get started. Brandon, let's talk a little bit about Facebook. Can you give us a brief overview of how the Facebook landscape has changed since the beginning of last year? Yeah, definitely. So uh, obviously these social platforms, especially a giant like Facebook, is always evolving, always changing and adapting with times. They manage so much. and They do so much as an organization. Facebook is really not just Facebook anymore. They're, they, they're Facebook, they're Instagram, they're WhatsApp. Uh, they're a variety of other brands that are obviously a little less known at the moment, but they do a lot of things. So they are always adjusting, always growing, always scaling. Um, so they have a lot going on. Uh, with that being said, we typically see though, uh, every two or three months, uh, some sort of, I would consider a more significant change, but more specifically over the course of the last year, they've really dug in and, and, and focused in on their core goals, which is what they, they say or what they believe they started off the, the, the platform with, which is connecting people uh, and helping build a better unified environment for communication with friends and family. Bunch of fancy words for saying that they want to focus on helping people to just connect. At a long period of time, their focus was either um, post a lot, um, getting a lot of people to just look at your content, building big groups. Their goal is now more so it seems to be focused around getting individual smaller groups or or niche groups, families such, um, to communicate, see each other's content more often and connect more uh, genuinely versus uh, generically. So a lot of that's going on. We can see a lot of their efforts on their end matching that nowadays where, like I said, they're not, they're going away from things like likes and so on and so forth. Their goal is build that genuine communication between uh, two people or a group of people. 
And I think it's a really positive move. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, you know, um, what I've noticed quite a bit over the last probably few years, especially with Facebook, is there's been a lot of talk and disagreement over Facebook's control over the content acceptance. What does this mean for micro and small businesses on a limited budget? Yeah, definitely. So there's a couple different areas we look at when we look at um, the content distribution. Um, we can look at first off the organic side, which is just what uh, you can generally post. Anyone and everyone can have a Facebook page, a profile, a group, so on and so forth, and publish content. doesn't cost a thing. It's free to everybody. So that is your organic side. Your paid side is going to be more so uh, we're trying to get an action from users on Facebook, buying a product, clicking somewhere, watching something, so on and so forth. They have definitely become a lot more strict on what they allow and don't allow. Um, at one point, they were allowed for job postings, for helping people find, for instance, mortgages easily through their platform. Anything and everything, honestly, they allowed at one point or another. Um, but more recently, we're seeing that job listing portions are being limited. They're not even allowing you to easily advertise for jobs. They're limiting anything talking about cryptocurrencies or finance. Uh, they're li limiting anything that talks about credit, uh, credit restoration, so on and so forth. Honestly, even things going into race, gender, so on and so forth, those are being limited. And, and lastly, the one I think is the craziest uh, out of everything, really, is anything that's focused around answering a question. Uh, if you ask a generalized question, it's, uh, I say generalized question, but a question to an industry, for instance, and say, are you looking to buy a new home? That would could instantly get you considered, uh, I want to say banned. It's not banned. It's more so of a restricted. They're going to restrict you because they don't want targeted questions to a smaller group of individuals. So that is where people are starting to say, hey, is this an overstep? Because is that really targeting or is that just, or were you trying to profile them or is it just more so just good targeting? Um, and it gets really gray there. And uh, so, yeah, they've definitely reached a whole lot more on what they do allow and what they don't allow. But always there's ways to bring value regardless if you follow the rules, you keep up what their trends are, so on and so forth. So if you're just looking at generating sales through yeah. rather than just informing or educating or communicating, that's where they start drawing that line. Yeah, pretty much what they're saying is that you're not building enough rapport with your audience to go straight to a sale. So pretty much what we like to joke in the industry is you can't just go straight to asking someone to marry you. Uh, we have to go on dates. We have to develop the relationship. So that is where we're going to be using things like quality content, telling a story through your organic social um, uh, links to blogs, videos, Facebook lives, all those types of things are stepping stools up to being allowed to have compelling conversion uh, uh, ads and so on and so forth, getting ads, getting, uh, getting uh, purchases and sales, those types of things. Yeah, it's, it's a little confusing sometime, you know, what to, what's going to be accepted. And then when you talk, when you, when we think about it, you know, when I've put up ads and videos, they all have to be approved. Yep. Okay. And what I have found many times is a lot of times they'll go and not approve it. And I can't understand. And I go and I challenge it. And then they turn around and they accept it. Yep. And that's because they have an automatic process for approval first, right? Correct. And AI goes through and it reads based off a few qualifications that it can identify. Um, great examples is does your image have, or the image you would add to the ad mm -hmm. itself, uh, does it have uh, more than 20% of text on top of it? Um, does it have any very specific targeting that we considered inappropriate? Uh, again, race, age, sexual preference, so on and so forth. Anything that really targets so specifically it can be considered 
harmful to to a group of uh, individuals. Um, those types of things, it just goes through a list first and checks for those. It also reads the ad copy or the message or the description of your ad to see is it a positive tone of voice, is it a professional tone of voice, uh, is there any guarantees in there that you can't be making, does it reference medical things? Even as far as does your, your ad, the link it's going to, does it have content on that page that's against the rules uh, by, for any reason? It's checking all of these resources. It quickly says, do you qualify or not qualify? It gets kicked off or kicked back to you if it is uh, checks any of those boxes. Uh, and then you have to go for manual approval. That is when a human gets involved and decides yes or no. Okay. Okay. Well, that explains a lot, you know, and I find this on a lot of platforms. Yes. They do this. So yep. they rather say no than yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the thing is, is you don't have to accept that. You, know, you can challenge it. So that's, that's Absolutely. important for, for business owners to understand that. You know? Absolutely. So if a small business owner was to come up to you and say, you know, can Facebook really help my business? What would be your response to that? I would say uh, in short, yes. And the reason being Facebook is what we consider an anchor platform. They are the largest social platform uh, in the world for what they do. They, they connect the most individuals at the most ranges from young to old. Everyone has a Facebook account for the most part. You're gonna, your audience is on Facebook. The question is, is can you get to them? Do you have the, either the knowledge or the skill set to get you in front of that audience? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the audience algorithms. Yeah. That Facebook provides, you know, give us a little bit of information on how we can make those work for us. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's a lot of things, like obviously a lot of individuals just go into Facebook and there is, it is, there are sections like boosting posts, which if you have a business page, you know, you can go boost it and it lets you customize your audience a little bit, but that is more so of the entry level to Facebook ads. Uh, the real version that you really want to get your hands on or, or what you want assistance with if, if you choose to go that route uh, is your business manager and your ads account. Um, your business manager is, is, is it's called a Facebook business manager. It oversees all of your Facebook assets, being your Facebook pages, your groups, your WhatsApp, your Instagram. It ties all of these into one unified location that you can manage as a business. Uh, or as a business. Next, you have your ad account, which is under that as well. That is what actually lets you do your detailed targeting to your end audience. That is where we can come in and build custom audiences. That's where we can come in and uh, utilize an audience maybe you guys already have. Maybe you have uh, 10, 20 email addresses, or maybe you have 10,000 email addresses of people you've worked with previously. We can take those, upload those to the platform. Facebook will go hunt the common denominators in those individuals and build audiences from it. Uh, and then usually what, just for instance, what our organization loves to do is we'll go through, figure out what that common denominator is at the top 5% to 2%, which is like really the, the most consistent thing across everyone. Uh, and then we build a tiny little audience from that. And then we build a little bit more broader audience, which is like the 10 to 15% of your, your, your overall audience. We compare and contrast, we run some targeting and, and I encourage anyone to do that as well. Uh, and then usually three or four weeks later, you have a highly defined, highly targeted audience that you can market to over and over and get consistent results from. So you're saying that I can take my list that may have like 5,000 names in yep. it. Okay. These are just people that I have met that, you know, that are business associates, uh, you know, colleagues, things like that. And I can give those to you and you can basically build my audience from the uh, personas of the, that list. Yep. We're going to figure out the micro actions that those individuals share in common that make them take actions. 
Um, for instance, uh, maybe a lot of people don't realize they buy at certain hours. Maybe the, the age range suggests that they buy between the hours of 8.45 p.m. and 10 p.m. Between the knowledge we find out and the age demographics and, and hundreds of other characteristics, usually it's about 120 20 of them, uh, that we will figure out those common denominators. We'll define your audience of people that are similar to those and the people that have the highest chance of converting are what we call VIP lists. Those are people who have bought from you before and we're targeting people just like that. And then we have a separate list of people that are interested in you before that are most similar. Because a lot of times we're just really taking them up like this, like this ladder of the, the life cycle of their, the, them in your funnel. And yeah, we, can, we don't call it a guarantee. Obviously no organization can guarantee it, but we can rather quickly figure out the common denominators that are successful and yes, get the right audience. That's really interesting because I didn't know that. And um, oh. yeah, <laughs> no, that's of- very, <laughs> very interesting. Okay. Okay. Boy, learning a lot myself here today. Yep. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're going to be managing a lot of that. <laughs> yes, it is really. That, that seems daunting to me as far as trying to figure all that out, you know? Yep. So, um, so let's move on here. What kind of um, return can I expect to see with paid versus ads? Okay. Pay-per-click versus ads or? Uh, they're similar in that term, but um, social ads versus like pay-per-click in that instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So uh, best way to think of it is your pay-per-click. Usually that's being your, your Google, your Bing, uh, uh, your search engines. So where you go to actually search for a question versus your social platform being a social ad uh, is obviously on a social platform, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, all those. Mm-hmm. Um, your pay-per-clicks are usually designed to solve a problem right off the bat. Your customer is actively hunting for a solution. So that is uh, John Doe looking for a, a uh, landscaper. He's going to go on to Google and say, I, uh, uh, landscapers in central Florida, boom, boom, boom. And everyone comes up. So that is really convenient because they're actively looking and Facebook, or I'm sorry, Google will come back with a Google Bing. So it doesn't matter. We'll come back with how many people typically search in that given month. The catch with that is though, that because they're actively looking, these platforms do charge usually at least two to three times more for an acquisition or a lead, um, than you would on a social platform, social platforms and their and social ads they are more so uh, what we consider interrupting ads. Uh, and what I mean by that, it sounds like a negative term, but it really isn't. It means that we've identified that they have already had um, characteristics of doing either maybe those searches previously, or that they maybe they're trying to buy a house, for instance, and they've looked for landscaping, furniture, uh, maybe uh, colors for front doors, those types of things they might have searched in other platforms, Facebook can identify and figure out the common denominators that, hey, they're looking at house, housing things, and then we can start serving ads while they're browsing, talking about buying a house, buying that first home, buying that second home. The more they search, more they do activities on other platforms, the more Facebook data gets and the more that we can actually target and figure out what they're actually doing. And once again, interrupt their flow, but we can come in at fractions of the cost. Right. And because the platform is so large and we can kind of hit them over and over again versus that one search you might do on Google, Facebook can do it five, 10, 20 times in different ways and mm-hmm. get the result that way. Well, this is like when we were talking on our last podcast, you know, if you're going to go the pay-per-click and, and, and pay uh, more for the, for say the yeah. Google's, you know, Google searches and things like that, 
what you're doing is you're actually reaching those individuals, that 1% of people who are ready to buy now. Whereas with social media ads and and things like that, we're basically, we're branding ourselves in the minds of those individuals while they're, they're doing their research, while they're doing, you know, um, what they do, they're, they're buying habits that they do before they make their final decision. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the whole thought of it. And and I know you as another marketer and strategist, you recognize that people typically don't buy on the very first time they hear of something. It takes usually eight to 10, 12 sometimes interactions before they take an action. That is where your social is going to come into play is we're going to be able to build that indirect rapport with that end customer by them seeing our messaging about here's a blog with a problem being solved. that's exactly identical to something you've, you've come up with or you've had, you've noticed in your life Mm -hmm. Uh, or case studies or uh, just reviews Social can be a really powerful tool to build that relationship with them when we could not get them the first time through platforms like Google and Bing. Right, exactly. And and as as you indicated earlier, you know, a lot of these social pla- platforms are communication platforms. They're they're connecting people, businesses to business, consumers to business, consumers to consumers. You know, um, it's it's connecting a lot of these people and and just offering information. Yep. Offering information and education, and um, and that's the way we have to look at it. You can't look at social media for that actual sale. What you're doing is you're generating those leads so yep. that you can follow up with them either through email campaign campaigns or some other channel to keep that communication going. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Okay. That's exactly it. Okay. So what would be the average cost to establish an early stage social media plan? Yeah. So obviously a lot of businesses have a lot of different goals. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is B2B customers or business to business customers versus a business to an end consumer customer uh, is different. So trying to buy a cheeseburger versus uh, online versus buying a, a company car, or a fleet of vehicles, mm-hmm. totally different ad budgets, goals, so on and so forth to get them through that journey. Um, typically the very first thing I would start out with almost any business though, is we need to do or start with typically a branding campaign. Um, that is more so this is who we are. This is what we stand for. This is what we're all about. Those can come in very minimal, uh, usually anywhere from 500, $1,500 ad budgets. It can go higher. It can really doesn't go much lower than 500 typically, um, because it's going to be hard to get enough data to, to make sense of it, but you can comfortably start even a small business at 500 bucks. Again, if you're a little bigger, $1,500 to $3,000, those are where you're going to get your better returns quicker because we're going to be able to identify a lot more audiences or uh, uh, avatars, depending on what your, your organization calls it. Um, we can identify them a lot quicker and a lot more variations of them. And that's not just Facebook. You're talking about across all platforms, right? Yeah, a lot of times we can share the budget. Okay. Across so platforms. it could be a, a mixture or an integrated approach that includes some of the Google or, you know, or Bing or whatever, you know, yep. that are at a higher rate. So, yep, exactly. so you're going to be approaching and, and reaching those ready to buy now buyers, but also branding for those that are searching and getting ready to. Okay. Yeah. What we usually notice is uh, an up and running in your stride business, let's say medium size, three to 10 employees. Um, the business is a couple of years old already. Their average spend is about 1500 to $4,000. Somewhere right there. That is where we're consistently either generating leads or sales 
providing usually a two to 15 time return. Once again, it really just depends on what you're selling and what your industry margins are. Um, but you're almost always getting at least a double back um, from what you're investing into it. Yeah. And that's, and that's, especially that's once you have grown your business enough to where you've branded it, you know, already quite a bit, but in the early stages, you know, when you look at your return on the dollar, you may not see that yes. return right away. You know, it may take several months for you to start feeling that return. Yep. We usually see it between the three month to six month period. And that's where a lot of business will get discouraged thinking that um, there isn't a plan or that it's not going to be, an, it's not working. And right. the reality is they just didn't have the infrastructure yet to allow for this consistent growth. And a lot of these assets were having to be built out, created, the traffic have to be built, the relationship built. Um, and usually what, at least what we do is we build out a, a, a nice little roadmap that tells them this is what you're going to see. And this is what you're going to expect at this stage, this stage. And they're going to see it on a monthly basis. They clearly understand and feel comfortable that I'm not just wasting money. I understand that this takes time and I'm just investing in my future. And are links to my website good to put into my social posts on Facebook? Yeah, great question. Um, so there's a yes and a no answer to that one. <laughs> so on the organic side, if we're not spending any money and we are posting links on our Facebook profiles, it actually hurts the brand. Uh, and a lot of people are, don't, didn't, don't know that or don't understand why. And the reason being, the short answer to that is that the platform spends time. So Facebook, for instance, uh, is spending time to get people to pop up and show up on their platform. That is the notifications they send you that your best friend just commented on your message or it's your, your uh, brother's birthday, those types of things. Even those little things, they've thought all of this through to get them on the platform. And then when you're scrolling or when that person's scrolling, Facebook has decided what order is your piece of content put in. It's not put in chronological order. It's put in an order they predetermined based off of what they think you're going to interact with. If you're posting links as a business to your website, you are stealing traffic from Facebook and they want to keep them on the platform because that's how they make money. But if you're taking them and you're putting a post and that post happens to pop up on someone's page and they click it and you go to the website, well, Facebook just lost out. So what happens is they start to actually limit the exposure to your content rather quickly. Uh, and you'll notice this with any and all brands, which is a lot of businesses will just publish blogs con constantly thinking that's beneficial to them. And, but reality, they're hurting themselves. Hmm. Uh, on the flip side, if you have no problems running ads or you're already running ads, um, that is a, a, a pass through action actually, meaning that as long as we're spending money somewhere on our ad account, that Facebook does not penalize us anymore for those links uh, because we are paying them to get around that pretty much. Um, so it's one of what I like to say is it's a pay to play platform. If you're willing to pay, then you are going to get preference. Uh, you're willing to pay more you're going to get more preference. <laughs> um, it, it's a sad truth, but it's the reality of it. But with that being said, don't think that you have to go back to my previous term with you're spending thousands of dollars to be, be able to do that. Even a startup business today can spend as little as $2 a day. That is the, what we've noticed is roughly the average. It's about $60 a month and you get around all those rules. Um, that's it. Two bucks. So that gets kind of confusing because when you set up a business page yep. in Facebook, okay, the whole idea with a business page is to brand your company and it's got your website right there and yep. everything. Who's to say, you know, they're not going to, to go to your website anyway. 
Yep, that's a great point. So the the point with the link is not that it's going, we want to limit the, the clicks from the profile that is considered a profile visit and a link from there. That is okay. When we are okay. links in the posts, that's what's hurting us. Because if they went to your profile, they have shown what we consider exceptional interest in your brand. They're, right. they're actively going to your profile to look around and then click a link over. That is okay. That does not apply. It's specifically when we put them in posts. What we will notice, especially with the really big brands, let's say for instance, um, like, a, like a Sam's Club or a Costco or something big like that, right. they post lots of links. It's links to blogs about things. It's links to products. And now most of those brands are paying to get around it. They're paying for ads, but let's say for instance, they weren't uh, or any business of their size. They're just posting hundreds of links. And what happens is they're going to get almost no people to view, no people to click, no people to interact with their content at all if they were not running ads because they're not bringing value to the platform. What Facebook wants is genuine interaction, meaning they want you to post a behind the scenes of a day in the life in the office. They want you to post about a great customer interaction you recently had, uh, maybe a testimonial that you got from a customer, um, maybe a great book, read, or resource that you found beneficial in your industry that will bring value to others. We don't need to be telling them to go to our blog and read about it. That is expected for any business to have a blog section with data. Right. They, they don't need you posting about it. That mm -hmm. other thing is, is what they do want you to do, bringing genuine value to the viewers that are scrolling through. So let me talk a little bit about lead generation. Definitely. Through, okay. Is it better to put a lead generating form within a social media post, a Facebook post versus a link to a landing page for them to fill out the information on a form? So... At the end of the day, the question would become, uh, regardless, it's a link. So the que we have to go back to that very last step. Are we running ads for this? Or are we doing this organically? If we're doing this organically, we're going to struggle to even get them to click because Facebook is going to be suppressing it. Um, okay. If it is a paid ad with a link, it doesn't much matter where we send it. Um, the highest chance of conversions, especially when we're running ads, our team likes to start with ca capturing it through Facebook before okay. we send it to the landing page. And that goes against many brands saying the opposite. They're like, oh, we can control more with it and so on and so forth. You're absolutely right. We can control more once we send them to a landing page. But that's usually a version two or generation two of a campaign. The generation one is just to get them to take some actions so we can get some data. The easiest way to do that is keep them on Facebook because Facebook's happy. Okay, and if we keep them on Facebook, if we collect the information through Facebook, okay, where does that, information reside within Facebook? How can I get, you know, their contact information? Yeah. So usually what happens is in Facebook's business manager, when it's set up, they have an internal CRM or, or customer management tool that allows you to integrate it with your CRM or your customer management tool. So what happens is once you set those those questions that you want to capture in Facebook, typically name, phone number, maybe email address, once again, maybe phone number, interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once we collect those pieces of information, it'll send it to the CRM that's built in the Facebook, and then it will offload that data to wherever you send it. If okay. you don't choose to send it somewhere, it'll automatically send it to your defaulted email on file. It's okay. Just so if I, if I use active campaign as my CRM, yep. you know, then I can integrate active campaign with my Facebook page to yep. the, uh, the manager on the back end, right? Yep. It is called an API integration. 
Uh, okay. What that pretty yeah. much means is there's a piece of code that ties the two platforms together and collects the data. Um, and yes, you can absolutely do that. Then your CRM can take over and do email follow-ups, SMS follow-ups. You can campaigns. Keep- sure. yeah. Exactly. Right. You can move from the platform and that is completely allowed by Facebook. Okay. Okay. Boy, there's so much information here and that's just Facebook. That is just Facebook. That's just Facebook. Wow. Let's talk about how long do I need to be consistent and how often do I need to post? In order to start generating those leads or that that brand interest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So this is a fun one. So at one point in Facebook's history, there was a post uh, frequency you had to do. There was a a better hours you can post, so on and so forth. Um, I remember that. Yeah, exactly. It was easy. You just come up, you got to post once a day. You got to post at this hour is your ideal image or your uh, audience's time. Um, those are the easy days. Now, Facebook does it a lot differently. What they do now is they base it off of your what they consider your competitors, uh, but really what they think is the pages most similar to you in a geofenced area. So usually it's either 25, 50, or 100 mile radius. And a lot of times your page will even tell you who it thinks you're compared to. Um, so if you go to your Facebook page as a visitor, like meaning not the owner of the page, like say maybe a, a spouse, a friends, so on and so forth, you can actually see, you know, like pages most similar and it'll list three of them. What it's doing is it's comparing you to those three pages. Those three pages set the standard of how often you need to post, how often or how much you need to respond, how fast you need to respond, uh, how many reviews you need to get. It takes all that into consideration based off of the industry average. So for instance, if it thinks you're over here with a multi-million dollar company as your competitor, maybe it's not even in the same industry, which happens often. People will yeah. pretend to be in an industry they're not, and now they're trying to play with giants, uh, and you just can't compete. Um, they're posting 10 times a day. You're not going to rank. It's, it's literally right. impossible because, right. they, because it, Facebook doesn't understand who you really should line up with. It tries, but it doesn't. Right. But for the most part, keep it, we'll, we'll bring it back or keep it simple. The average should be no less than three times a week or once every 72 hours. That is the bare minimum. Uh, On top of that, not just posting, this is another portion that makes sure you rank, is reviews. A lot of businesses don't understand that reviews on Facebook are significant. You should be generating no less than two a month. That is making sure for the most part that you will typically outperform your competitors because that's about 15 to 20% of your ranking. So posting alone is just not going to get you there. So posting, getting reviews, and being quick to respond. So they do it in one day increments, they do it in one hour increments, and then they do it in 15 minute increments. 15 minutes makes you like the elite level. Any of those three things can be interchanged to help you rank higher compared to your competitors. So it's really a rolling graph of maybe you stink at posting, but you're, no one can be faster than you responding. Maybe you get more reviews. One of those can compensate for the other two. So oh my goodness. posting alone isn't good enough anymore, unfortunately. It has my my goodness, I'm telling you, that's this is why you need somebody who just manages your social media. You yes. know, because it this is, is a where full-time job. Help. There's some kind of yeah. a formula as far as the types of posts. Okay. Yes. Can you talk about that? Yeah, definitely. The types of posts, once again, can vary based on the industry, but the root goal that you as a brand need to think about is every post must bring value. And what I mean by that is your end customer, to be realistic, they do not care about your brand. They care about how you help them solve a problem. 
and it doesn't matter what the problem is, but every one of us are solving problems no matter what. If, if you sell cookies, you solve a, maybe a birthday party problem, maybe you saw a hunger problem, maybe you make the best cookies in the whole wide world and people just want the best cookies because they want to feel special. Cravings. Solving. Cravings. It cravings, exactly. <laughs> doesn't matter, you solve a problem. When you think in that mindset, if you're solving a problem and you understand your industry's problems, now you can better understand how to create content. So those are typically, like I was mentioning before, um, either motivational pieces of content talking about maybe how the business got started. Uh, and once again, that's a little bit talking about yourself, but it helps build a story that makes people want you uh, and want, want your product, your service, so on and so forth. Maybe it's a motivational, maybe it is a uh, testimonial from a happy customer. Again, everybody wants to keep up with the Joneses. Everybody wants what somebody else has. We are going to feed into that. Uh, maybe it can be things like positive testimonial types. Uh, it can be just value-based. Let's say maybe, again, you're a cookie company. Um, did you know this type of meal, milk is ideal with my, with, with my, my, my uh, cookie here? And we're painting that beautiful picture so they can feel, they can smell, they can sense it without actually physically having it. We're trying to capture all those senses. The worst thing we can do is just talk about ourselves, talk about our product. They're like, buy my product. It's awesome because of this. That is not good enough anymore. You want to talk about how it makes them feel getting it in their hand. That is what about, what about just informational, you know, like we just came off last month of famous women acknowledgement. Yep. Okay. And also what I do is every Wednesday, I post something about a historic event that happened on that day sometime in the past. Yep. And I try and make them kind of interesting. So those are just informational, just kind of getting information out there. It doesn't really talk about my company or our products or anything like that. But what it does is it does keep the brand in front of them. Yep. Yeah. Great questions. Mm -hmm. Really yeah. what that is in short, and we have to think of this in two parts actually. Mm -hmm. So just based on what you told me, that is, so you're saying informational, but really what that is, that is a motivational piece of content as well as an educational piece of content. Right. So it's really crossing those two boundaries. Um, with that being said, we want to keep a positive uh, voice. We want to make sure we educate them. And really what we're doing is we're building a relationship with them to let them know that we are a trusted partner because we are transparent about winners and successful people in the industry. Um, brands that are known to kill at this are brands like Nike. Nike did an entire campaign in, uh, in March about mm -hmm. empowering women. Yeah. Uh, Coca-Cola actually did a similar one with their Diet Coke about um, mothers, if, if, if we want right. to have that one. Those right. two brands are amazing at not even talking about their product. They make it indirect. They talk about the people who have made impacts in the world. They hit you emotionally, yeah. motivationally, and education all at the same time. And that makes you say, dang, I want Nike now because yeah. I want to be part of that. And they never had to sell a single thing. They just brought value to you. A different way and they remember it you know, you know people remember that you yep know. Exactly. exactly what is the difference between a facebook page and a facebook group yeah definitely that gets confused often so mm -hmm. facebook page so first off you have your personal pages which anyone and everyone can sign up for you have a business page which is owned by a person so you and me own business pages for our organizations uh, business pages can be managed by multiple people uh, in your organization. And then Facebook groups or are um, organizations, they all have a common interest or goal associated. It is not typically made for sales. It's usually made for like 
informational type thing. So maybe a business has an inf- a, a group for um, educating on how to use a product. Great brands that do this are Tesla. Um, mm-hmm. Tesla has a brand page, but Tesla has a much bigger group that they utilize for questions on the products. And, and most of these groups are managed not even by Tesla employees, they're managed by the community. Other people have started Tesla groups to talk about it. Um, right. These are better resources a lot of times than actual pages. Yeah. Um, because it's if you've got more transparent get, communication going on there. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got Lots a of- um, I've got a private Facebook page, uh, members only Facebook page for our academy, and it's so that our subscribers can um, communicate and inter- interact with each other about the different courses that they're taking. You know, maybe they might be struggling with one thing that somebody has already. So we've set that up individually. Yep, absolutely. That is where I think it's beneficial that you don't, shouldn't just have one or the other. It should be a, 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 a partnership between the two performing different actions. Right. So what are some of the common mistakes that businesses do with, I, I'm sure we've covered a lot of them already, but what are some that stand out right now? Some of the yeah, common yeah. mistakes that businesses do with Facebook? Uh, we'll run into the five most popular ones that are problematic. <laughs> Uh, first being they don't post frequently. Um, what I was mentioning previously, we need to post no less than every 72 hours. Uh, even if that means you schedule in advance, what happens when you break that frequency and you go beyond 72 hours, you pretty much have to reset the clock for content consistency or posting again, takes about six weeks to get consistent and Facebook consider you a consistent brand. Mm -hmm. First off post frequency. Um, secondly, it would be response time. So when you get a comment or a direct message to your page, it should, you should respond no later than 24 hours later or one business day. Um, so that would be like the worst case scenario. So if your business is open from Monday to Friday, nine to five, uh, weekends don't necessarily count against you, but come Monday morning, you need to be responding by 5 p.m. on Monday. So that is the second thing. Thirdly, was what I was mentioning previously as well, would be reviews. Uh, a lot of businesses don't recognize or understand that the reviews are significant. It helps you actually get found on both Facebook and now even Google. Google actually unifies your reporting between Facebook and Google reviews in one platform. Your Google My Business um, account will actually tie the two together. Um, now, so that- I'm told that we're not supposed to go and solicit reviews. Correct. We should not solicit reviews. We should ask for honest and transparent reviews if we're going to be asking for it. And I, even that, I usually choose to do that externally from the platform, meaning if they've interacted with me, they might get an email follow-up or an automated text message follow-up asking for a transparent, honest review. I cannot ask or we should not be asking for five-star reviews or right. even positive reviews. Right. We want honest review. That helps because what happens is these algorithms will actually read the review's tone of voice the actual keywords or terms utilized in the review and help us rank on both that platform as well as platforms like Google. Um, so those reviews are like literally printing money. Uh, right. They are definitely uh, beneficial. Okay. Okay. That, uh, and like I mentioned, really links would be the last thing, making sure we're, we're, we're really utilizing links properly if we're running ads. Okay. Okay. Well, we're closing out our session here and I got one last question. Is there anything new that you can add that would help us stay ahead of the curve when it comes to Facebook and where Facebook is going. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say the biggest change that we see coming right now is actually on the ad side. I think that will bleed a little bit into some of the organic actions and so on and so forth. So what we're seeing here is actually not an action taken directly by Facebook. It's uh, taken by other uh, other companies. Um, So 
Apple is releasing iOS 14.5 here in the next month or so. We don't mm-hmm. quite know when, but we know it's coming. Uh, and with that, there'll be some new privacy features uh, that has never been really done before, or at least publicly done before. And what, what it really means is it's going to allow individuals to opt out of certain types of tracking. Well, that sounds great. Now we all want our privacy. We want to be make sure we're giving away the right information, not anyone and everyone can access it because we all know how easy it is to get your information stolen these days. Mm-hmm. The downside is, is Facebook very much opposes this because this is their primary business model. They use that data to track you around the web and be able to target you and sell ads to businesses to target you. Right. So when that becomes end up, when that comes out uh, and play, people will have the option to opt out of that type of tracking. And that's where it's going to become a little bit harder for advertisers to target um, end users and so on and so forth. So it's going to get a little more generic for a little while. Right. Um, right. So that can be problematic. For the most part, we've been kind of watching and controlling this for a little while as an organization. We feel really rather comfortable that this is not going to be a deal breaker or a massive change. But what it's going to do is remove a lot of businesses and a lot of companies from the marketplace. Um, they're not going to want to rebuild again, to be honest, uh, with less data than they were getting before. So you're going to see a lot of brands and companies leave the platform. We can look at that as a negative thing, or we can look at it as a positive thing is, you know what? We don't need to collect all this data to still be effective. Um, we can still do very compelling messages and get in front of the right people uh, and build a compelling audience or build a compelling audience on these platforms when all these brands are leaving. So we have a little bit less competition, which is potentially beneficial. So like I said, a lot of brands, including Facebook, are worried. We're more so excited because it's going to clean out the the a lot of the junk. The riffraff. Yeah. Exactly. It's going to yeah. worry the people who really care about their business and provide good value, they're going to stick around. Oh, cool. Cool. Okay. Well, that concludes our session today. Next week, we're going to be talking about Pinterest. This is Dana Olivo with Marketatomy, LLC, and Charged Up Studio. Brandon, can you give our audience information on how they can reach out to you if they want to uh, find out more information? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so again, Brandon Balkan. Um, you can find me pretty much anywhere on any social platform. Uh, and our organization is called Falconics. So it's Falcon with an I-C-S at the end, falconics.com. Again, you can find us on any social platform. Uh, and yeah, look forward to uh, continuing. Oh, great. And then also Brandon and I have joined forces and we have co-authored a book. It's called Social or Sociopathic. Um, we expect that book to be uh, live on Amazon probably the beginning of May. We will d- start doing pre-sales on it a couple weeks before that and just listen to this podcast to get more information. Or you can reach out to me at info at marketatomy, M-A-R-K-E-T-A-T-O-M-Y.com. And I can put you on the list and we can send information to you as well. Um, that's it for today. Thank you, Brandon. And I look forward to next week's. I, I learn something new every time we get together. And I'm so glad you're going to be doing this for me. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate not it. me. It's overwhelming. It is, really. it is a bit overwhelming. <laughs> it is extremely overwhelming. Well, that's it. And I appreciate it. Talk to you guys later. Bye. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.